Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, I could keep on listening to that, but it goes on for another two or three minutes, and that was already about three and a half. And Danelle told me yesterday, it was like, you know, um, when they start the music, you don't necessarily have to go up. Because usually when I do, then I, I start moving, and it's like, it, you, the music moves you ugly. Don't do that. So, uh, no. <laughs> well, she, she was thinking it. So, so anyhow, um, that was Jesus is Just All Right With Me, performed by the Doobie Brothers. And it was written by Arthur Reed Reynolds and recorded by Reynolds' own group, the Art Reynolds Singers on their 1966 album, Telling It Like It Is. How many of you know of the Art Reynolds singers? <laughs> Not me either. Now, over the years, the song has been covered by a number of bands and artists, including the Birds. How many of you are Birds fans? Underground Sunshine, the Doobie Brothers, Alexis Corner, the Ventures, DC Talk, anybody? Striper, I didn't know that one. Uh, Shayla McDonald and Robert Randolph in that recording, and it featured Eric Clapton on the guitar. I wish I had heard that one. Oh, you've heard it? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sure it is. Anything with Clapton on it is going to be good. Um, the, Doobie Bur- the, the Doobie Brothers version of the song was released as a single in November 1972 and became a hit in the United States, peaking at number 35 on the Billboard 100 chart. Kind of takes you back, doesn't it? Jesus is just all right. Well, I'm continuing our series this morning in the Gospel of Mark. And the title of my message today is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Now, the song I played for you, Jesus is Just All Right With Me, was released at the height of a worldwide revival that was known as the Jesus Movement. Time Magazine referred to it as the Jesus Revolution in 1971. And there's, I've got a picture of the psychedelic Jesus that was on the cover. It was said to have begun, this revival was, it began, began along the, the American West Coast in the 1960s with thousands of hippies and young people coming to Christ. And the movement quickly spread to colleges and universities across the country. And then it spread throughout North and Central America, the UK and Europe before it subsided a little bit in, in the mid to late 1980s. The Jesus Movement is considered by many to be the greatest revival of the 20th century with an estimated millions 
coming to Christ during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But the actual conversion numbers vary because nobody was really keeping a good count. Because it was a true grassroots movement. And centered on the person of Jesus and doing the things that he did. And that's where the name came from. Now as the song says, Jesus is just alright. It makes use of the American slang term from the 60s. Alright. Some of you folks from the 60s might remember that. Which also meant cool or really good. But the thing was that Jesus was in during that time period. Hippies who were used to getting high on hallucinogenic drugs were now instead getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And when secular media and Christian media began investigating the phenomenon, it only served to expand the audience and the reach of the movement. And it went further. People everywhere were asking the same question. What's not to like about Jesus? Because Jesus was all right. Well, our text this morning describes a similar time when Jesus was growing in popularity in the region of Galilee. Mark chapter 2 verse 13, if you have a Bible, you can follow along with me or if you'd like to follow along on the screen. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw the son, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, Mark says. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Tax collectors in Jesus' day, and I guess it's, it's also the same too, the IRS people, they're not very popular people, especially around this time of the year. You know, around April and, you know, time to get your, your tax return together. But in, in Jesus' time, is a little worse. They were usually of... My voice cracked. Um, they were usually of Jewish descent... And they did the dirty work of the, of the Roman government. The Roman government would assess the taxes, and so the, these guys would go out and collect the taxes, which made them unpopular already. And what they got paid was off the top of what, what their tax bill was. Well, to, to make it a little bit worse, if they wanted to make a good living, they had to take a little bit more. So instead of the bill being, say, $200, it's $300. And so they show up, and, and they, they, they do whatever they have to do to get paid. 
And therefore, you know, not only is it the, the fact that they're taking money away from someone's family, but they're actually a, a fellow Jew, and they're doing this to their brother or their sister or their families. And tax collectors were, because of this, reviled and, and considered as swindlers or cheaters because that's kind of how they had to get by. So when we look at Jesus' disciples up into this point, right now he just has four. There's Simon, who was later known as Peter, his brother Andrew, and then James and his brother John. And now he's added Matthew as number five. I mean, he's doing real good right, right now, at least as far as people are concerned. Levi, also known as Matthew, who wrote the gospel Matthew in our Bibles, was openly considered to be a sinner by society because of his occupation as a tax collector. And Jesus picked him. I think he knew what he was doing. So, in our story that we read... Matthew, to show his gratitude for being selected to Jesus' group of disciples, decides to throw a party. Well, when you're a tax collector and you're not very popular, who do you invite to your party? So he invited... Mark tells us that he invited other tax collectors just like himself. Because, I mean, who else is going to accept another tax collector? They're in the same line of work. And so, you know, we've got to take care of each other because nobody else likes us. And he invited other people who were considered sinners by that society. And he invited them with the purpose of giving them an opportunity to get to know who Jesus was. So in terms of, of who might have been there in, in Matthew's party, there, there might have been tax collectors, there might have been money lenders, there very well could have been prostitutes because they weren't accepted by society. Merchants of non-kosher items that were sold on the street all of these people, they, they kind of banded together because they had been ostracized by the Jewish religious establishment. And here comes the rain. They were social rejects, if you will. And the term that, that is being translated here, the, the word we get sinner from, referred to anyone who didn't follow or obey the Mosaic law as interpreted by the Pharisees. Now see, the Pharisees, they were the teachers of the law. And so what they said, that, that, was, that was the law. The common people didn't have access to the law, so they had to depend on the, the Pharisees to interpret it for them. Now because of this, anyone could find themselves on the outs and be branded as a sinner just because the Pharisees said so. 
they were always coming up with laws. It's kind of like our government, you know, whenever they, the, the lawmakers continue to add laws to the books. I mean, we have unknown, unknown numbers of laws today. Well, the Pharisees did the same kind of thing. Well, if you, you, you need to clean, ceremonially clean the cup before you drink from it. And you need to ceremonially wash your hands. And if you don't do that, well, you're considered a sinner. It was, it was simple things like that. And so at, at some point, and it's kind of like in our culture, people that, that feel like they've been rejected by the church or rejected by the religious establishment just kind of give up and say, well, I guess there's no place for me here. And so these people kind of had the same kind of thing. Well, the, we don't belong to the Jewish religious establishment. And so they just they banded together to take care of one another. They weren't part of the religious club. Now the thing that I like about this story is that Jesus wasn't the least bit intimidated about going to Matthew's house. Now, he, I'm sure he knew Matthew is a tax collector, and, and I'm sure that he, he recognized that Matthew probably is going to have a different group of friends than, than maybe Simon and Andrew and James and John. And he's probably not going to be part of this religious establishment. So he kind of knew going in what, what might be awaiting him whenever he went into Matthew's house or Levi's house. But Jesus went and he took his disciples along with him. He wasn't concerned about who would be there. He didn't care who might see him there. Because, you know, that was, that was a big deal too. Because if you go to a place that, you know, oh, the, you're, not, you're not supposed to go in there. And you go in, someone sees you go in. Did you know what I saw? I saw somebody walking in to this place and they're not supposed to be there. You know, that's how gossip works. He wasn't even concerned about being called a friend of sinners because that's what he ended up being called. But he wasn't concerned about that. And he wasn't even concerned about even being called a sinner himself. And that's why people like Levi... And his friends and people who were regarded as sinners adored Jesus so much. Did you notice what, what Mark said about the people who followed Jesus? That there were lots of people who were considered outsiders who followed him. Because he noticed them. He saw them. He touched them. He spoke to them. Jesus loves the people society the people, society, and religious people reject. And he doesn't play favorites. He's always been and will always be on the lookout for those who are seeking after God. Well, several, several years ago, Danelle and I decided that we were going to take some time off. I was working... Uh, a job that, that there was shift work and, and I, I had all this comp time and they wouldn't let me take vacation but they let me take comp time and so we got to go down to, to Galveston and we, we stayed in a, a, a bed and breakfast. It was back before any of the, the like Harvey and Ike and all those storms that, that did so much damage down in Galveston. And so we, we got to go stay for a few days 
And this was right around the time that I, I was just learning how to play the guitar, and I was learning, to, learning worship songs. And I, I, I'd started leading a little bit of worship in those days, and so I brought my guitar along with me, and we're, we're loading into the house. I've got my guitar propped up on the car, and this guy comes walking by, and this is in Galveston. This guy comes walking by, and he, he saw my guitar, and he said, you play guitar? Uh, sure, yeah, I do. That, that's, that's my guitar up against the car. Oh, okay. Well, there's a place just up the street. They, they have an open mic tonight. And if you'd like to play, I'm sure they would love to, to let you play. It's called the Acoustic Cafe. Oh, okay. So, so we, he just kind of went on his way. We went on ours. We lo- loaded everything in. Well, we went out to eat. And we were talking to each other and, you know, we want to go to that place. I mean, I, I'm not real big about, like, doing those, those open mic things, especially then. I didn't really know a lot of songs. And so, oh, sure, why not? Let's go ahead and do it. So I took my guitar with me. Well, we get there, and I'm thinking this is a cafe, you know, like to have coffee and maybe tea and, you know. Well, we get there, and it's a bar. And I'm in my mid, mid-20s, and I'd, I'd gone to Bible school, and, and my, my dad used to tell me, you know, if you go to a party and people start pulling out booze and they, and they start pulling out stuff, that's your signal that you need to leave. So, you know, I, I, I tried to stay out of these kinds of situations. And the only other time that I'd ever been in a bar was I'd gone to College Station to help look for a friend that, that his mom was trying to find him. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and so we went to the bar. We didn't know how to act. You know, we'd never been in a place like this before. We're looking around like, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure people were laughing because we we're just standing there, you know, like, what do we do? And so, so anyway, we get there. The door's open. People are waving at us. Oh, come on in, come on in, come on in. So I was like, oh, what do we do? Well, there's a guy that, that's, that's running the open mic, and he's singing, and he's playing his guitar. And so, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him like, oh, man, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to do this. So, so we're, we're already inside. So we sat down. We ordered water. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting at the table. And, you know, we're in the back. I've kind of slid my guitar back up under the seat so that nobody sees it because, you know, there's a whole line of guys that are just waiting entire in their turn to play. So, so they keep playing, they keep playing, and then and I guess they work through everybody else. And then the guy who's running it said, hey, there was a guy that walked in here that had a guitar. Where is he? And everybody turns around and points at me. <laughs> and so I get, I get invited to go up to the front you know, and, and, and everybody was friendly. I don't want it to, to sound like it was a hostile environment. They're, everybody was really friendly. They were really nice. Well, I got up on the stool, and, and the only thing I knew was worship songs. You know, and there are people who are they're, they're drinking. They're leaning up on the bar. And so I launched into a worship song. And I was like, okay, I'll, they'll, I'll do that, and then they'll, they'll let me stop. Well, they asked for another one. And then they asked for another one. And so I played a couple of songs, and then I finally ended with, with Amazing Grace. And, you know, and, and, it, and I, it wasn't really good. I, I was, you know, and, and not that I really sound that good anyway, but, but it, it was, I, I was just kind of embarrassed of, of, of myself, and I was just really hoping just to get off the stage and let somebody else get up there. Well, the next guy who comes up, and it was kind of funny, um, 
he had, it, it's, it's called the Acoustic Cafe. Well, he shows up with an electric guitar and a little amp like this, and he almost got kicked out because he was too loud. But he dedicated a song to me. It's like, you know, this is my new friend, and, you know, and, and so he's, it, it's a song about, and I guess he made it up on the spot, and it, it didn't sound like any song I'd ever heard before, but, you know, it was, it was really nice, and we're, we're interacting with people. And then the next thing I know, there's this guy that comes up to me, and he's, he is, instead of three sheets to the wind, he's like 30. He's, he, he's, he, he's been smashed. And he starts talking to me, and he, and he says, you know, you really touched me tonight. And I just kind of looked at him like, what? You know, you really touched me tonight. And, and, he's, and he's talking to me. And, you know, I've done all these things. And he starts pouring out his heart. And I'm just kind of sitting there like, wow. And so he just keeps talking and he keeps talking and he keeps talking. Well, you know, I'm, I'm listening to him. And then finally I got a, got a, a, a space to talk. And, and so I said, well, you know, the Bible tells us that, that if we draw near to the Lord, he'll draw near to us. And it really doesn't matter where you are. If you turn to him, he'll receive you. And that was really all I said. And so I, we talked to, you know, he had some friends there, and they were, they were like, so are, are, are you some kind of preacher or something? Well, you know, I'd been a youth pastor, but at this point in time, I really wasn't doing any of the ministry stuff. And I just told him, well, I used to be a youth pastor. And Well, do you go into bars a lot? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is actually my first time. And, and so we had this, this really neat conversation. It was like, wow, this, this, is, this is really cool. Well, it was getting late, so we went, we went back to our room. And then the next night, we got something to eat and was like, well, well want to go back to the, to the acoustic cafe? Yeah, sure. Well, I didn't take my guitar this time. So it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself any further. But we went and we, we hung out, got our water, and we're hanging out. We're, we're talking. Well, the girl that was with this guy... She saw us, and it was just kind of like, and she just kind of shuffled over, and it was like, she really wanted to talk to us. And so she sits down, and how's it going? Well, could, could you just tell me one thing? What did you tell my friend last night? Which friend are you talking about? Because there were a bunch of them. She said, oh, no, my friend, the guy that was really drunk. What did you tell him? And I just told her just what I said, you know, that, you know, Draw near the Lord, he'll draw near to you, and you know, he'll accept you. And so, well, he hasn't stopped talking about you all day today. And I thought that you must have said something like really amazing, but you know, and it was like, well, yeah, sorry, this is this is kind of it. This is this is what it is. But it, it was it was just really it it was kind of kind of neat. Well, just a few months later, and I'm I'm trying to make this story quick, but but we, <laughs> thanks, Deanna. Um, so we we were at we were at church in my parents' church on a Sunday night, and uh, oh, oh, keep going. Okay. So um, so we were at, at my parents' church on a Sunday night, and you know, and I, I was we we hadn't told anybody that we went to a bar, hadn't told anybody. And so we're we're they're doing announce or they're it was. Testimonies. They're doing testimonies. Sorry. They're doing testimonies. And they're, they're talking about it. Well, Danelle starts elbowing me and says, you need to tell about going to the bar in, in Galveston. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to say anything about that here. There, there's no way. I'm not going to do that. 
And, and, she, and she wouldn't leave me alone. She wouldn't leave me alone. And so, so it, testimonies are just about over. And she's like, you, you better do this. You may not get a chance to do this again. Okay. So, so I stood up and I started telling the story about the bar. And I was just expecting just, to, just like gasps and, and things. Well, I, I, I told the story just pretty much like I told you just now. And the pastor that I grew up under, he, he, was, he was now in his 80s. And he was retired. He could, he could hardly speak. And, I, and, and when he stood up, it was like, oh, it's coming. I, I, I know it's coming. I, I shouldn't have been there. And, 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 and I'm, I'm about to get chastised in front of the whole church. And he stood up and he quoted the verse that says that Jesus told his disciples to go out into the highways and the hedges and to compel them to come in. And I, I, I just sat there and, and was amazed. And he talked to me afterwards and he was like, you know, you, you may not want to make a habit of that. But it, it's nice whenever you're obedient and you allow the Lord to use you. And I've never forgotten that. And, and, and when I think about that story, I, it, it, seem, it sounds like this story where Jesus is going to the people who need Him the most. They recognize that they need, they need something. They need to be saved. And they're not getting that from the religious establishment. Jesus accepts them and He loves them and He receives them. He hears them. He touches them. He acknowledges them. He lets them know that, that they're not beneath Him. So, there's the Pharisees. And you have to wonder, whenever there's a party like this going on, people are looking around saying, who let these people in? Because they're talking bad about everybody who's there. And they're, 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 really, they're really upset about the fact that Jesus is hanging out with these kinds of people. They use the word, and, and it's, it's translated in, the, in, in the, la the, the language I read this morning, the New Living Translation, scum. I mean, who calls people scum unless they feel like that they're above everyone else? Better than everyone else, right? And whenever the, these, these Pharisees confronted the disciples, they intended their criticism to be an insult to Jesus and to them for choosing to keep that kind of company. The Pharisees made their comments to the disciples and they, they did it loud enough in hopes that Jesus would hear them so he, they could shame him too. But in, instead of responding to what, what they were saying, Jesus' response was possibly one of the most profound statements ever found in Scripture about the love of God and His desire to save those who were considered to be lost. Mark says that Jesus replied, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call those who think, not those who think they are righteous, the self-righteous. I've not called them, but those who know they are sinners. In other words, Jesus was searching for people who were lost and, he recognized, and recognized their need for God. And in Jesus... 
these people found someone who was compassionate and extended mercy and grace to them. In other words, he was their friend. And consequently, Jesus knew that in order to find people who were lost, he might have to go where they were to find them. And that's why he went to Levi's house. To demonstrate the love of God to people who wouldn't even try to get into the temple. Now, as we talked about it this morning, as Vern was telling you about Easter in the park, I feel like this was something that the Lord put in my heart about, about trying to reach out into our community. And when we first started planning it, it was, it was like this crazy idea. We're going to just open up our church service to the city of Brenham and just see who shows up. And we honestly don't know who will show up. You know? It, it, it could be just, just our, our, our little group. And if so, that's awesome. We'll have a whole bunch of eggs to send home with your kids. And, and I think everybody's going to have a good time. But it also could turn out that we have maybe hundreds of people who show up to just happen to be in the park that day. Or who might just be at home and probably wouldn't even darken the door of a church. But they hear something going on outside. Or they drive by the park and they see something going on and they decide to stop in. And we're not, we're not limited to just what we do on Easter either as a church. Each of us can share the love we've experienced in Jesus with people we encounter in the course of our lives wherever we go. That's, that's what's exciting to me. And I, that's the kind of thing that will change the world forever. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans said... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he continues. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go to tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And that's what Jesus has called all of us to be. His messengers here on earth. And he wants to use each of us to demonstrate to the world that he came to be their savior and their friend as well as ours. And that's just because Jesus is still all right. So, would you stand with me this morning?